Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. In, in this moment of, uh, uh, you know, today being a global threat of COVID-19, that's the same thing we're looking for. We're, we're wanting some assurance. We want to hear it's going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. It's going to, things are going to, at some point, begin to return to some normalcy. That's what we want to hear, isn't it? We want some assurance. In other words, without assurance, it is impossible to have peace of mind. It's impossible. It's part of the human condition, and God knew this about us, that without assurance, that we are destined to slide into stress and anxiety. Worry just takes over. And we, that's why it's so important to, to really be careful to screen what we're putting into our mind. If you're constantly watching the 24-7 news cycle, I promise you that stress, worry, and anxiety is going to be your only companion during this time. So you have to pull back, shut that off. Yes, get updates, and, and there are places you can do that. You know about it, I know about it. You, I, you can check it once or twice or three times a day and find out what's the latest information. But you don't need to have a constant stream of that in your life. Jesus knew this about us, that we are going to be worried, that we are going to be concerned. We, we crave that assurance in our life, especially when it comes to our mortality. When we start thinking about this idea of what's going to happen to us after this life. It's moments like this we begin to think about that, maybe more than other times. What happens after this life is over? Jesus knew that was a nagging question for any thinking person. You're going to be faced with that, confronted with that reality. And he talked about it often all through his ministry, all the way down to his final words, his famous last words, if you will, on the cross in his conversation with this criminal who was being crucified right next to him. Now last week in Matthew, or pardon me, in Luke chapter 23, we looked at the fact that Jesus was being crucified between two criminals, one on his left, one on his right, and we're going to pick up that story this week in Luke chapter 23, starting with verse 39, as Jesus begins to help us to understand assurance, especially as it relates to the life to come. He says, it says, one of the criminals hanging beside Jesus hurled insults. Notice that, hurled insults at him. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us while you're at it. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God even when you are dying? We deserve to die for our evil deeds. But this man has, done, has not done anything wrong. He's done nothing wrong. We deserve to be up here. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I love this, I assure you. Let's say it together at home, all right? Everybody, let's say it together. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, I want to break down this conversation because this is such an extremely important conversation. In this one little brief conversation, Jesus breaks down the most essential elements of eternal life. 
for us to be able to have a firm grasp on assurance of where we will spend eternity. And maybe that's been a nagging question in your heart right up to this moment. That if you were truly, brutally, gut-level honest, you would have to say, I don't know, Will. I don't know where I'd spend eternity. I don't know if my life were to end for any reason. I don't know. And it's just when one, maybe since childhood, you've just, you try to be good enough. You hope your deeds have gotten you into the door. You hope that your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. You kind of like feel like, eh, I hope God graves on a curve because I'm not sure, Right? And it's just been a nagging, ongoing issue for you. And so today, I want to help you to have that assurance, to nail that down today, that you know for sure what your eternal destiny holds for you. And that's so important that everybody, and maybe this is a conversation you need to have with your spouse, to talk to them, talk to your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, nephews, your next door neighbors. Maybe this is a message you need to share with somebody when we get to the end of it. Hopefully it can bring assurance to many people that you know, and maybe to you as well. But here's the question that we're going to go after over these next few minutes. What must you know to have assurance of, sal- of salvation? What must you know? So we're going to talk about, this is not complicated. This was a very short compli- uh, uh, a conversation that this criminal had with Jesus, but there were some things that he understood that we must also understand. It's really critical. Here's the first thing that he understood. He knew he would face God for his sins. He knew that. In verse 40, here's what he says. He says to the other criminal on the other side of Jesus, right? He says, don't you fear God even when you are dying? Don't you realize? Like, we, like you look at the clock. We got just seconds left to live. Don't you know later today you will face God? That you're going to have to meet God and give an account for your life? And what he's saying to this other criminal is true of all of us. Jesus made it clear later in the writings of Paul, all through the New Testament, so crystal clear that all of us are going to have a moment where we are going to, immediately when this life is over, we're going to come face to face with our creator, with God. And we will have to give an account for our entire lives. Now, I know the reality of this life for many people is that I'm just going to try to push that out of the way. I don't want to think about it. I want to try to sort of ignore that reality, if you think that's even a reality for you. And I'm going to try to just sort of ignore God all the way through life. But the reality is there is coming a day you can no longer ignore it. There's coming a day when you will meet God. And I want to help you to prepare for that today. Because in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, we're told this. Everyone, everyone must die once and after that be judged by God. There is coming a moment. There is coming a time. There is an appointment, if you will. This appointment, you cannot cancel it. You won't be late for it. There is a 100% mortality rate in this world for human beings. I think you already know that. We are all going to pass from this earth. Every human being that preceded us has, and we will too. There's going to be a moment when we die, right? And it is foolish, it is absolutely foolish, you have to agree, to not prepare for that moment. This is Jesus' point. We have to prepare for that moment. We have to get ready for it. That's even the criminal's point to the other criminal. He's trying to say, we need to prepare for this. And I love what he says in verse 41. He says, we, talking about the two criminals, we deserve to die for our evil deeds. 
Like, this is like his confession. He's saying, we deserve to die. Now, he doesn't go into the description of why, what were the criminal activities that he did. The Bible doesn't tell us, and it doesn't even need to. Here's one thing we do know about the Roman government. For him as a criminal to be hung on the cross meant that he was such a vile and violent criminal, both of them, that they couldn't be worked as slaves. They couldn't work in a Roman galley in the belly of a ship as rowers. They couldn't be trusted. They were too violent. They were too unpredictable. So they had to crucify them. This is how bad. They were like the worst of the worst of the worst criminals. And he's saying... We are really bad. We deserve to be up here. Jesus does not deserve to be up here. And because of our sin, because of our transgression against God, we deserve to die. Jesus does not. Now you may be saying, well, Will, I'm not a criminal. I don't deserve to die. Like, well, let's put it in perspective here. James, the half-brother of Jesus, chapter 2, verse 10, the book, on his namesake book in the New Testament, James chapter 2, verse 10. Here's what James, help, he helps us with this issue, because there's a lot of people, even in Jesus' day, that would say, well, I'm not that bad. I maybe, I maybe I've broken a, a command, you know, or, or a couple, but I'm, for the most part, I'm really good. I'm a good person. You've heard that. Maybe you said that. Like, I'm a pretty good person. Well, James says, let me just go ahead and blow that battleship out of the water for you. Let me show you what he says. He says, for the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all the laws, all of God's laws. He's saying, if you have broken even just one, you're a lawbreaker. If you've even committed one sin, you're a sinner. In other words, it only takes one link in the chain to break for a bridge to collapse, right? This is James's point. He's saying, all it takes is one. And it's so important for us to come to that realization, just like this criminal did, that we deserve to die for our sin. That's the reality. God is holy. He is righteous. He is completely just, and we are not. And we don't deserve his free gift of salvation. We don't deserve his mercy or his grace. But here is the beautiful part of the story of the cross, that Jesus pays for it anyway. He buys back that opportunity for us anyway. The mercy and the grace of God is lavished on us anyway. In other words, when he went to the cross, he went with your name in his hand. He went thinking about you. He went with purpose and meaning and intentionality to offer this gift to you today. This is why you're listening to this today. I truly believe that, that you can get clarity and confirm this today, that you don't have to have confusion. The scripture tells us that I have written these things that you may know that you have eternal life. And I love how the Apostle Paul later in his letter to the church at Rome, chapter 6, verse 23, lays it out so beautifully. If there was one verse that could kind of encapsulate the entire gospel or good news of Jesus, this is it. This is what he says in verse 23 of chapter 6. He says, the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, he starts off by talking about a wage system, 
A wage system is something everybody's familiar with. You don't get paychecks for free. You get paychecks, it's a wage for your work. It is a result of your actions, right? And he's saying, and the result of your sinful actions is death. That's eternal death, eternal separation from God. But, he says, but, but here's the beautiful part of what Jesus came to bring. He came to bring an entirely new system. To replace this wage system, he's bringing a gift system. Gift system is way better than wage system. Wage system says you've got to earn your salvation. You've got to work. You've got to try to be good enough. And as James says, no one can ever be good enough. If you break even one rule, one law, and you've broken them all, like, it doesn't work. So Jesus is saying, I understand that about everybody, so here's what I'm offering to you. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is this gift of eternal life I'm offering to you. My grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. I'm giving you my mercy. I'm offering you a chance to be connected with God, to know him, to experience his love and you didn't earn it, you don't deserve it at all. In other words, I want you to set aside that wage system, do not apply it to your relationship with God because it doesn't work. And I want you to replace it with a gift system. And isn't it true, the only way to enjoy a gift is just to receive the gift, right? Like kids on Christmas Day coming down and, and getting the gift. Well, let's say that you gave a $100 gift to your kids and you say, whoa, 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 I need you to pay me at least $2 for the $100 gift, right? Well, the moment that you begin to charge for the gifts, they're no longer gifts, are they? They're really good deals, but they're not gifts. And sometimes people treat God and his salvation like it's a really good deal. Well, as long as I'm a good boy, as long as I'm a good guy, I'm a good lady, I'm a good woman, I, I, if I can do good enough, I can sort of earn this, and I can get in God's good graces, and maybe he'll let me into heaven. It doesn't work like that. But the Apostle Paul says that you're still trying to apply a wage system to a God who's saying, I only operate on a gift system. You come and receive the gift the gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. It's just an act of acceptance, receiving, just like this criminal did on the cross. Just receive and accept the gift because we can't do anything to earn it. You see, here's the other thing. First, he knew that he was going to face God for his sin. Secondly, he knew Jesus was God. He knew Jesus was God and would save him if he asked he knew that Jesus was God. Let's take a look again at what he says to Jesus in verse 41. He says, Jesus, remember me, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What kingdom is he talking about? The kingdom of God. And he's saying it's yours because you're God. He's recognizing Jesus, you're God. This is your kingdom that you're coming into today. And I'm asking you to remember me. Like, I've just confessed my sins here on the cross, and I'm asking you to remember me today. I love this. This, this guy is saying, I am coming before you, and I realize there is nothing, nothing I can do to receive this gift under, uh, other than just receive it. And I'm coming before you right now, and I'm saying, Lord, um, I am up here, without you, Jesus, I am hanging up here without any hope. I mean zero, less than zero. You are my only hope, Jesus. So I throw myself completely on the grace 
of God. I throw myself completely on the grace of God. And, and, and here's his prayer. He just says, remember me. That's got to be the shortest salvation prayer recorded in the history of salvation prayers. I mean, that is a really short one. But it was packed full of heart and meaning. Jesus knew exactly what he meant. Like, I, I, I'm sick of this. I've repented of this. I, I, I've confessed what I've done, and I'm turning to you, and I'm trusting. You're God. You can save me, and you're my only hope. And I trust you right now, Jesus. So what did Jesus assure us about salvation through this conversation right now? What did Jesus assure us about salvation in, in this passage? Let's take a look at his response to this man's plea, his, his cry for, please remember me. Here's what he said in verse 43. He says, and let's say it all together at home, I assure you, there's the assurance, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Let's take this one statement, because it's packed full of meaning here. Let's break it down. Jesus promised some things about salvation here that is so important for us to wrap our head and our hearts around it. The first thing that he promises here today is that salvation is immediate. He says today, like just a little bit later today, this is something that's about to happen. Immediately, as we leave this earth, this is what's going to happen. And the next thing he shows us, it is certain. It's certain. You will. You will. Today, you will. This is not a maybe. Well, it seems like maybe if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. No, today, today you will. And then the next thing he shows us is that salvation is a relationship. He says, be with me. Be with me. I can't help but think back just a few months ago when we were building up towards Christmas, that prophetic name that was given to Jesus from Isaiah 700 years before he was even born. He was called Emmanuel, God with us. And even in his dying breath, ladies and gentlemen, he's fulfilling his prophetic name, his God-given role and name in the universe that make us with God to allow us to be able to know God, to be free of this wage system and be set free to know the grace and mercy of God Almighty. What a gift. What an awesome, awesome gift. And this is Jesus fulfilling that. And finally, he shows us that salvation is about an eternal place. He says, in paradise. Today, in paradise. You know, today you will be with me in paradise. This was Jesus' name for heaven, the place that God had created for himself and his people. He's saying, we're going to be together today, here. This will happen. This is absolutely a promise to you from me. Jesus confirms this guy, he knew enough. He mustered enough faith in the last moments of his life to be saved. What a beautiful picture. In Romans chapter 10, verse 13, here's a promise that's given to all of us from this, again, letter from uh, Paul to the church in Rome. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone, that's you, that's everybody you've ever met, everybody that you know, every, even the most unlikely people that you think, there's no way they'll ever come to God. He's saying, everyone, if they come to a place where they call on the name of the Lord, just like this criminal, they will be saved. 
There is certainty there. And I want to encourage you today that you would call on the name of the Lord today. Trust him. This amazing set of statements here between this criminal and Jesus on the cross confirms some things to us. First of all, in this life, in this life, it is never too late to turn to God. It is never too late. And the second thing that it confirms to us, that we are not saved by our deeds, not by the actions of our life. We are no longer in a wage system. Absolutely not. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's it. That's it. And I just want to encourage you today to really consider what will be your response. Because these two criminals on the cross represent beautifully the really the only two realistic responses that there are to the offer of Jesus' salvation to every person. Either we accept it like the one criminal did, or we insult it like the other one did. Just saying, nope, I can do better. I want it on my own terms. I want you to be able to save me the way I want to be saved. Now, it's interesting that the, the insult that that first criminal gave to Jesus was, why don't you save yourself and us too, by the way? The irony of that moment is, that's exactly what he was doing. And by not saving himself, he made it possible to save all of us. All of us. What a beautiful, powerful moment that we have captured for us right here in Luke 23. Such a precious, precious moment. And I hope that where you are right now in your spiritual walk, that you would turn to God. You would trust him. And maybe for some of you, you have already received Jesus Christ as your savior. But there has been questions and doubts and, and, and a lack of assurance for some time. And it's time today just to firm that up and say, God, I receive your gift of grace and mercy. I receive your gift of, of eternal life today. And I'm going to nail it down. I don't want to question it anymore. I want to walk in it. And the powerful thing is that we begin to live out and walk in the power of that eternal life that God gives us day to day of having Christ right there with us every single day. It also gives us the power to live a new life, a brand new take on life, a whole new way of understanding God and how we're to love other people. And God wants to do that in you as well today. Here's our application prayer. I'm asking you to pray with me today. I'm going to pray it right along with you. It's simply saying, Jesus, thank you that no one is ever too bad or ever too late to receive your salvation in this life. I receive your gift of grace and forgiveness. And that may be the first time today you're going to do this when we go into this prayer time. This may be the first time you're really nailing this down and really legitimately saying, God, I'm receiving right now your grace, your undeserved forgiveness, and um, your grace and forgiveness, this unmerited favor and this undeserved forgiveness, this mercy and grace of God. I'm asking you right now to give that to me. That, that will be your prayer. We go into this. And then finally, I receive your assurance right now. Maybe wherever you are right now, doubt and fear and worry and anxiety has plagued your heart over these last several weeks, and it's time to just say, God, I trust you. Maker of heaven and earth, you are still in charge. This world is still in your hands, and I trust you right now. 
I trust you more than any of the other voices in this world. I trust in you. I trust in you. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.